What's going on, guys? This is Mike Felker from Convictions. You're listening to the Kingdom Core Podcast. Hey, guys, it's Sean here. Just a quick little word before we get into uh, the second episode of the Kingdom Core podcast. We had a great time interviewing Mike Felker from the band Convictions. We had an awesome time talking to him about their new EP, I Won't Survive, which you can find on uh, all streaming services. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and then on Instagram at Convictions Rock. We had a great time talking about mental health, about what it means to be a Christian band. We're just so excited for you guys to hear this. Convictions has been such an important band to me personally, um, not just musically, but in my own life, as I mentioned in the previous episode, that they were the biggest supporter of Kingdom Core when I first began it, and it would not be what it is today without their help and their support and their belief in it. So a uh, big shout out to Convictions for coming on and being on the show. Absolutely. It was such a good conversation. And uh, thank you guys so much again for all the support you've shown for the podcast in just our first episode. Uh, we're so excited to be able to continue doing this and to start talking to members of bands. Uh, if you guys are listening, it would be so awesome, to, depending on where you are, Spotify, Apple Music, or any of the other places. If you want to give us a rating, uh, that would actually be a huge help to the podcast. It'd help us Please. get um, <laughs> out there to more people to be able to hear this stuff. Yeah. And hopefully maybe some new fans will discover Convictions because they are amazing. 100%. You guys can follow us on social media, mainly on Instagram. You can follow Sean at kingdom.core and you can follow me at four dot the dot rock. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to Chris's channel below um, for The Rock. And then also make sure to like this video, leave a comment on it if you liked it. Um, if you're leaving a rating on like Apple or Spotify, make sure to give us five stars, leave a comment. Uh, that might make someone check it out who wouldn't have checked it out without that review or without those five-star ratings. So uh, we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. All right. Let's hop into our interview with Mike from convictions it's it was definitely a big challenge because they're not our personal stories like it'd be one thing if you know write about myself and you know i don't need to worry about like hurting my feelings or you know or letting myself down but mm-hmm. when it's you know someone else's real life you know struggle and, and story i think there was a lot more pressure to try and tell their story accurately and you know with good intentions and heart so yeah it was very hard for sure then there's probably also that added pressure of like the people who you're writing about it. Do they know that you guys are writing a song about them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's probably that added pressure of, Oh, I have to do this justice on their behalf. Right. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, um, it was, it was really challenging. I, you know, I, I don't know how else to word it because, you know, we had these close friends and they're sharing their stories with us. And that's one thing, you know, like to kind of let down their wall and, you know, like talk about the war, you know, or something like that. And then that's another to be like, Hey, can I tell the world, you know? And it's like, woo, <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do people typically say when you guys like ask them, Hey, can we write the song about you? Uh, well, this is the first time we've, we've really ever done that um, with this record, okay. I think, but everybody was really on board from, from what I can remember. They can't really think of any issues we had. Everybody was really open hearted and, and uh, welcoming for us jumping on this. So it was really cool. Yeah, sweet. 
is is this kind of a style of, of writing that you guys are going to carry on forward or are you going to go back to kind of doing more like maybe like personal stories for you guys? I think so. Uh, we're right now we're in the process of uh, writing again. So we're getting ready to go back in the studio like a month from now. And, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Uh, and I'm at that weird crossroad where it's like, okay, if I do write a story, you know, about someone else again, am I going to get backlash? Like, Oh, they're, they're going to be a one trick pony kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I just can't really think of anything like close to home that I can really write about. That's going to have that same impact. And I think that's what we want. Like we want to reach people at that personal level, instead of writing like a broad stroke theme, mm. uh, which I would love to do. It'd be fun. And, uh, I guess a lot less pressure, but with the reaction that we've had with this new record, it's, I think it's kind of like revealed to us, like why we're making the music we are and why we, you know, want to make music and it's to reach people and to, you know, share the gospel of course. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just this weird crossroad. It's like, can I still be artistic and abstract and maybe secular, but also I need to have like a, a mission you know, an emission statement. So I got to like merge them. So it's been very challenging. You caught me at a vulnerable point in time here. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, based off that, like, cause you guys, let's see, hurricane came out like almost two years before I won't survive came out. So when you guys recorded hurricane, did you guys just record that and then you waited a little bit to start recording the rest of I Won't Survive or did the pandemic play a part in the delay, I guess? Um, all the above. <laughs> like we, yeah. we wrote Hurricane. It was kind of an accident uh, being that it tied in conceptually with the record because we didn't really have like a full length or an EP or anything in mind. It was just a one-off. Okay. Um, at the time we were with uh, In Vogue and we were pitched the idea of working with Andrew Wade and it was just kind of a one-off just to see, you know, how this is going to go, how do how we feel about working with somebody new. And we wanted to kind of fill that timeline between like, uh, hope for the broken and you know, what we'll have in the future. And we just got Dan. So it was like, let's just put out a single, see what happens. But I think we kind of, um, not to stroke my ego here, but I think we kind of struck gold on, uh, the way we approached writing that song and conceptually and, and everything, it just all kind of fell into place. And that kind of propelled what would become I Won't Survive with the concept. Yeah, was, was that a huge switch in writing style and just the sound adding Daniel into the band? Massive. And I know that's a cliche <laughs> thing for you know an artist <laughs> to be like, we did our best work, you know, or like, yeah. yeah. But like, it really was like when working with Andrew, it was, uh, we all oh, yeah. like grew so much in such a short amount of time, uh, especially like me as a writer. Uh, I just remember sitting in the studio way longer than, it, than I expected before we even touched an instrument, just sitting there going over each lyric bar, each word, making sure that this is what we want to say and, and how to say it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really taking a long time, but <laughs> this is a good yeah. thing. So you talked a little bit about um, like how Daniel joined the band and that caused a massive shift in the way you guys approached writing music. Can you uh, talk to a little bit about like the process of finding Daniel, how he joined the band, 
because I know you guys had a fill-in or two before you found Daniel. So, like, how did you guys find him, and how did he join the band? Yeah, Dan Dan was a friend of ours, uh, like, long before John had even considered stepping down for his health reasons. Uh, Dan is a, he's a photographer and he was shooting us while we're, while anytime we'd pass through Arizona, he would usually show up to our shows and shoot us. And, and him and I kind of developed a friendship and, uh, we communicate, you know, like, Hey man, I'm going to be at this date. You know, are you going to be there? And he shot us and he would scream. Uh, it's so funny. Like you can find old videos of us playing live in Arizona and you'll see Dan in the crowd, like singing along. <laughs> and lo and behold, he joined the band. Oh, close up. So we, we knew him from touring, and he actually did a tour with us uh, when we were out with Volumes, and he shot us. Uh, and it was just like kind of that in that period, we found out like he was doing YouTube covers, and uh, we were able to like learn about him more and what he does. And that was just kind of a, I guess, an early indicator that he might be like perfect for us because we're friends. He understands the band, he's very talented. And uh, yeah, hope that answered that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> i wanted to talk to you about your personal journey on how you got into the metal and hardcore scene um did you grow up in it um i'm pretty sure i heard an interview with you recently where you grew up more in the secular hardcore scene and you weren't really too familiar with the christian scene so maybe just talk a little bit about your personal journey on um how you got into the christian metal scene yeah i uh i still kind of am like more involved i don't want to say involved but like set in like the secular like metal scene like it's not that i yeah um i don't like christian bands or anything it's just uh (laughs) we're kind of like a dying breed now it feels like so for me to find one that i actually like have a strong connection with it's it's pretty hard there's i can only count like on my hand you know like how many that i uh have that connection with but like it's always kind of been like that I, i didn't grow up in a christian home and so like it wasn't until my later teen years when my dad and I started going to church together to where he started pointing out some Christian bands at the time and uh, pitching them to me. And I thought it was kind of a joke. Like I was like, back then it was like Asley dying and Norma Jean. And I, I loved how they sounded, but I just thought the, the idea of like the lyrics being like friendly and positive was like so corny. I was like, <laughs> and daisies and, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't understand. So like I would spend all this time like uh, going back and forth between like the bands that I love and I still do like Slipknot and like a lot of new metal bands and, and then like, but I really like how those bands are. And then it kind of became this like counterculture, almost like punk rock way of thinking where it's like, instead of being all doom and gloom, I could go against that and be positive and try and like have a bright outlook. And so I think that like kept, forcing me back to like Norma Jean, Asley Dying, Haste Today, some of those earlier bands. Uh, and so like that, I think that was kind of the big shift into the way I view like lyricisms and like uh, the message behind the music. And so that, that was just kind of like an early gateway, I think for me, and that was like 2004, maybe. So you found metal in 2004 and you got into it. When did you start screaming? Uh, were you in any bands before Convictions? How? Because you weren't Convictions' first heavy vocalist. So, um, right. like, how did you join Convictions? Huh. <laughs> okay. Take uh, me back. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> uh, okay. So I was, I mean, I was listening to heavy music like from a really early age, but it wasn't like it, like aggressive metal until I was like probably like in 
junior high, maybe sixth grade. Uh, but I, uh, I found out I could scream accidentally, uh, <laughs> with my brother, who I, I, uh, I'm still very close with, like I live with him and we bond over bands like daily, but, um, we were freestyle rapping <laughs> in my, uh, in, in my, I said my bedroom used to be in a basement. So like we could like listen to music as loud as we want all night and we just goof off. And, uh, I was freestyle rapping with him and, uh, <laughs> I I must have been like really excited or something because I shouted, but it was like a deep, resonated like from the wells of inside of me or something. It was just a big, <laughs> brassy burst of volume and power, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, what was that? And like, we just kind of like looked at each other, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Holy cow!" I think I can scream or something because uh, him and I like we were listening to Slipknot like religiously back then. And he was a drummer, so, like, I already kind of had ideas of, like, maybe getting involved with music, but I can't play anything, and still to this day. But uh, when I figured out I could throw my voice, I was like, okay, that's a start. And then him and I ended up making a band, and we were called Tantrum, right from the get-go. That was a, <laughs> that was our name. <laughs> and uh, from there, that name wasn't cool enough, so we took uh, band names that we liked and kind of, like, fused them together to make a new band. Uh, called As It Fades. Uh, so we took As from Asley Dying, and then It from It Dies Today, and then Fades was just a cool word that we found in the dictionary. So As It Fades was our band name. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was in that band for a while. I uh, I want to say it wasn't until like, I was like in my senior year to where that fell apart. But uh, in that period of like throughout high school, like freshman year to senior, we were playing shows in the local area, and... Zach, our drummer Zach, he had a band at the time called Run Into the Shadows, and we would play shows every now and then together. It was like a pop punk band, so like we didn't really get along. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were playing like uh, his his family would do like a festival on their farm, and we played that one year. I remember and it was like kind of it was a big turnout. It was awesome. I think that was when we started like becoming friends. And I eventually tried out for his band after I graduated, and they kicked, they didn't pick me. Uh, thanks, Zach. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they they got Dan Gardner, which is Conviction's old vocalist. They chose him over me, and then uh, lo and behold, Dan ended up leaving, and then I came back, and then it became Convictions. That's kind of like a short way of okay. telling our story of how we mingled. But uh, it's just funny how it all worked out. I always, I'll, I'll still give Zach crap for it. I'll be like, remember that time you kicked me out of your band and here I am again? Like, so they can't escape me. <laughs> we're born for each other. So when you, you were talking about kind of jamming out in high school, was that kind of around the time that you were coming to faith? Yeah. Uh, well, yes and no. Like my dad and I would go to church um, like here and there. And I was definitely like, interested in it, but I didn't really like understand like, Jesus or like where he played in to like God. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lot of a uh, back and forth with how I felt about it. And I think it was a lot of the allure of like the church culture. Like I was just like, these people dress really nice. They all seem very happy, wealthy. Um, like they got their lives together. So that's, that's appealing. Like it really is. And maybe I should pay attention more and try to be a good person. But it, I didn't really understand like, what it really was all about, you know, and what, what it meant to be Christian. And so 
when I was 19, I decided then and there, I am uh, agnostic. I don't believe in God. This is I had I had gone through a bad breakup, and it was like me trying to take control of my life, and I was it was a bad period of my life. Um, and at that point, I had gone through some suicidal tendencies and identity crisis moments, and uh, to me, it was like nothing else would work. So the idea of maybe asking God for help and to show up in my life might I mean if I don't believe him, but I. Like, what do I have to lose if I ask him to show up and, you know, help me? And um, I like in hindsight, looking back, I think he was trying to say, like, if you just give me a shot or if you just let me in, I'll show you things you've never seen before. And uh, it was really it, it turned out to be very powerful because I would shortly later find convictions and my dreams of being a musician and all that would unfold. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a magical you know, moment like on the spot, you know, it, it took years of right. work, but I think that, I think that was kind of like the, the driving force to why I want to tour and, and meet people and show them like, you know, that there's, there is hope and faith and that God can show up in their lives and, and help, help guide them. And that that's enough for me, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Amen. That's awesome, dude. So um, convictions, you guys are very outspoken about your faith. Um, definitely one of the most, if not the most outspoken about your faith in the Christian scene. You guys are very vocal about being a Christian band. So I just wanted to get your thoughts or I guess your philosophy on what it means to be a Christian band. Well, it's everybody. I feel like every band does it different that, that claims, you know, to be a Christian band or Christian members in a band, which I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but like I, I, I'm definitely not knocking any, any other artists, you know, for what right. they do. Um, but I guess for us, like, it's the cornerstone of why we're a band, and for us to forget it, like, if we let's say have a stroke of success and we're, you know, on this higher plane, and then to ditch God who got us there, that would be a, such a big disservice, and it, I'm. I would never, we can never do that. Like, that's just like, I wouldn't want to get popular for being a Christian man and then just drop it, you know? So it's like, if we lose our faith and we lose the band, like we'll just not be convictions anymore, which we, we're not going to lose our faith, but it's just kind of like that all or nothing kind of mindset, I think. And I think with today's audience, if you even have like slightly Christian lyrics, people are going to find out and they're going to be like, I think they might be, are they? And it's just like, why hide it? You know? So mm-hmm. we are yeah. what we are. Like, there's a, you know, I don't think there's any shame in that. And I, I'd like to encourage other artists, like, if this is what, whatever it is you believe, like, own it. And I think people will respect mm-hmm. you more for that. Definitely. Uh, that's awesome, dude. So kind of going back to to I Won't Survive and, and the theme of faith and Christianity. Like, what's a new listener listening to I Won't Survive? What is the main takeaway what is the main message that you want them to get from from listening i I think hope that's the big one uh we're talking about moments of crisis and tribulation and and sacrifice or you know suicide whatever it is like we're we're talking about these like terrible crisis moments but and like i I, it would be easy for you just to focus on that like this is so dark and terrible in in ways it is but we always in each song, like we, we do try to show that like light at the end of the tunnel or like somewhat of hope, or at least um, I'd love the audience to say like, 
this is me. Like I've been in this, I'm not alone. Like that would, that's great. Mm. You know, uh, that's what I hope for. Like, especially somebody that's like struggling, like with suicide or grief, you know, they can see like, I'm not the only one that has these problems or thoughts. I can get through this. And that, that's a powerful thing. I think. That's awesome. And it's so cool to see just like your fan. I feel like convictions, you almost have like a small cult following. Like your guys' fans are, are absolutely like obsessed with you guys. And for good reason, um, you guys have personally impacted my life. Um, just you guys as people and, and your music has personally impacted my life. It's really cool to see you guys uh, getting the attention you deserve. I, I know when you guys released The Price of Grace as the first single, that kind of, that really blew up on Spotify, on like YouTube reactions. Could you kind of talk about like, could you, could you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really like, it was a big moment for me and, and for the rest of us. Like every day, like we were checking YouTube and we were, I was watching your videos and <laughs> like uh, you were the fastest one too. Like, I, I, I remember like it was like yes. the moment the record dropped, you were the first one. I was just constantly like refreshing. <laughs> uh, it was so cool to see that. Yeah, there's, there's specific videos that specific bands and songs that are dropping. And I'm just like, ah, I'll just wait until midnight or technically only nine o'clock our time. <laughs> You're fast. You so Get ahead on it. <laughs> uh, I guess I could go along with what you, what you said. It was funny. Cause I, when I just left my mom's, I was like, I have to say thank you to these guys. Cause they, you guys have pushed our band so hard. And like that, that's more than like any paid advertisement or, article in a magazine or, or blog like it's real people you guys are real people like you're you're sharing your feelings and you, you're reaching an organic audience like from a marketing standpoint like that's more than we could ask for but like on a personal level like it means so much see, like seeing your guys' like authentic reactions whether they're good or bad like that means so much to us this whole experience is pretty crazy because going back to the subject matter and stuff like that it's like i feel almost guilty to be excited about you know people you know, like what it is, what it's about. And people like, right. you know, and being like, yeah, like we're, we're doing it. <laughs> you know, but it's like, <laughs> believe me, like we are like, we're stoked. We're like, yes, like this is great. But you know, it's not, it's not, it's bigger than us. And I'm trying to humble myself and remove myself from taking credit for that. You know, it's like, it's, it's about sharing stories and, and, and spreading a, you know, a really important message. So I feel very fulfilled. Like this is this is exactly what we tended to do, and it's 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 bigger than us. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, with that being said, I I kind of have to give you guys a little bit of an apology because I feel like a couple of the times in those reactions, kind of like looking at the lyrics of the song or something, it's weird. Just in the last few months, I've kind of out. I guess technically grown in a certain way, but I feel like I was stuck in a mindset of like, oh, this is like this is so dark and it's like like there is a little bit of hope in it but i'm like oh like they're all so dark and just seeing everybody's reactions now and um just all the comments online seeing how much of an impact it does have and especially when you guys do your your live shows and and you know like talking with the fans and doing all that there there's that whole side of it that you don't just see in necessarily in the music even though you guys do have that in the music but yeah i was i think i was just so stuck in like i'm like i don't really relate on this specific topic because like i 
I haven't had like suicidal thoughts or yeah. this or that, but like going back to um, uh, your album, I will become, I remember when that came out and the song house of lies, the first time I heard that, like, I, I feel like that's probably one of the songs that connected with most um, with you guys. Cause like I, many, 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 many years um, struggled with pornography and, yeah. and just the, hearing that song there was something that hit me like so deep and that is the same kind of thing that's happening with these new songs for other people um so yeah it's i just love what you guys are doing and dealing with those hard difficult subjects because i i can't be the person to talk about a lot of that stuff yeah uh, myself so no thank you for that i uh and i can relate to you too like we have a song called Last Cell on the record. It's about like a father who's like a friend of ours, but who's dealing with like a, a certain type of cancer and he, and he's leaving his daughter behind. And it's just uh, the whole, it's almost like him writing a letter to his daughter mm-hmm. before surgery. Like I can't really say I'm not a father. I don't have a daughter or any, you know, anything like that, but I've seen the way it affects uh, me. Like my brother, he has a, he has a daughter and, and he, the way it made him feel emotional, like that struck me personally like you know i'm not like because i could feel for him it's it's close to home and so i was like wow like you know having empathy for someone else with a situation that i can't relate to still somehow hit me in in a personal Mm -hmm. way really cool that's awesome dude so when i first heard uh the price of grace one of my initial thoughts was how are they going to perform this live like i would almost feel disrespectful like moshing to this like as moshable as this song is like this song yeah. screams to be like circle pitted to you know wall <laughs> of death but like it's just so it's so serious it's so emotional like yeah. i don't think there's a single dry eye on anybody's first listen to this song like are you guys I, if you, if this is a surprise, you don't have to say it, but like, are you guys planning on playing the voice message when you guys play it live? Like, could you kind of take a suit out of it? Yeah, I think that'll be a part of the song or the live performance. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, you definitely struck a, uh, an, an interesting topic that I, I've been thinking about a lot. And I, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have to give a disclaimer or something like before we play, like, this is okay. Like you've been given the green light. Like you can enjoy the song. Like the people that we wrote the songs for greenlit these songs to be written in the first place. So they do want them to be enjoyed. So yeah. it's a guilt. For, you can have a guilt free experience if you're just throwing down and enjoying the music. Like, you know, that's what it's about. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Like we've, I mean, we've always been like really emotional when we perform. Uh, and we try to like play heavy music with intent. So, you know, people, dance or enjoy it like that's fantastic like i don't i don't think there'd be anybody there that would be aware of like the content and and throwing down but having like malicious you know like yeah like pain sorry you know it wouldn't be like that (laughs) yeah i guess when you guys put pre-orders up and you announce the album um so there was some online chatter about like i won't survive like like what does this mean because that's not typically some people were saying that's not typically like I guess that kind of speaks to what Chris said about how some people who haven't had suicidal thoughts or have been affected by suicide might not understand that. There might be other people who um, there, there's like the Christian circle that kind of is, I don't want to say fake, but they, they pretend like they have it all together. They have their own perfect life. So when they hear I won't survive, it, 
there's almost a sense of judgment from those people. Like, could you take us through what I Won't Survive means, what the uh, mindset yeah. was when you guys came up with that? Yeah, you're bringing some really good questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm impressed for all, like, because that's you. You're thinking the way I was thinking too. Because uh, when we were coming up with the record name, I I knew I wanted the word "survive" to be a part of the title because of uh, I mean, there's we were trying to we're we're telling survival stories, so I was like, maybe call it survival stories, but like maybe that's too on the nose. And so there was a lot of back and forth. Particularly, I remember Josh and I going back and forth a lot. Um, I was like, well, I want it to be, I want it to have a positive spin. Should it be like artsy fartsy, like some big quote or some like poetic thing? And we're like, no, like, <laughs> like that. Um, and then it was like, okay, I won't survive. I remember Josh was really sold on that. And I was like, I had reservations, you know, I was like, I'm not sure about that. I don't want to give, uh, I don't want to give power to a lie of the enemy. And, and he was like, that's a really good point. But looking over the whole conceptual piece of, of the record, each song is written in a snapshot moment of when the character reaches that turning point in their, in their story, in their life, and we wanted to highlight that. So each song is about their biggest struggle in that pit, and so they may be telling themselves, I won't survive, and so that's what it's about. So you might think like, okay, like, yeah, they won't survive, but they will. You just have to like dig into it more. Mm -hmm. And I know like not to oversimplify it, but like one thing that like we really like doing in convictions is challenging the Christian audience. And so like we have things like the inverted cross on some of our merchandise and uh, there's, there's even like imagery of like the occult and things like that, that might provoke the Christian audience, but that's good. That's what we want. We want to bring something to the table instead of just playing like sunshine and Daisy songs and everything is good and peachy. Like you said, yep. we don't, you know, there's real people that are struggling in their faith or their lives and they can't relate to, you know, the acoustic guitar and sunshine and daisies at church. They, it's just not enough. Like maybe they need to relate to somebody or a story and, and hopefully find that Jesus is right there in, in the midst of their troubles, you know? Mm -hmm. Amen. So I, that's like a really long way of describing it, but like, <laughs> oh, I think awesome, that's, it's about the snapshot of where they're at and their, their struggle and how they overcame it. So they were saying, I won't survive. Wow. Are you going to show him your, uh, your vinyl? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, uh, here it is. There we go. Oh, it's probably too blurry. blurry. It's probably it too. It's it's. I won't survive. Just trust oh, me. Okay. That's it. <laughs> All black square. Yeah, I got something to show you too. I knew it. I knew uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I got it. I got it right here on my wall. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I seen it. <laughs> so, we wanted to start a little segment that we wanted to ask like every band that comes on here. Yeah. And um, we we're going to call it a decade ago. If you could pick, I guess it doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but something off the top of your head, something that impacted you um, from the Christian rock or metal scene uh, from a decade ago. So 2011, is there something that comes to mind? Um, well, I guess you might have just held it, but. <laughs> is, that, is that when it came out? Yeah. It came out in 2011. 2011. It did. Yeah. 
Well, then I guess this will be it because I. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> so tell tell the listeners who aren't watching on YouTube what it is. Check. This is uh, this is a band called Hands, which they're not they're not a band anymore, but they're like the same members in another band, right? Everything in slow it's everything in slow the same vocalist. Yeah, I, I don't listen to that band yet, but they might be good. But <laughs> sorry, Hands. This is what it's all about. Hands right here. This is what you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Forget that band. This band, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but actually, funny little tidbit: uh, the singer of Hands was almost on "I Will Become." We were like this. Oh wow! Wait, Wait really? So that would have been so cool. I know, I know. It was. I don't know why it didn't work out, but we were talking to him, and we were Dang. so. I can't even tell you what song it was going to be. Maybe, maybe like glaciers or something. I can't remember. But Ooh. He was, yeah, it was, we were so close. But um, this is a, this record right here inspired, I, I think it inspired Conviction's first release, uh, I Am Nothing, because they're, they're very similar. And they're like, the DNA of this band is in Conviction's, the, the raw, clanky, stripped down mm-hmm. sound. This is like a really influential record for Conviction's. Um, I didn't listen to this record in 2011 so it's kind of tough to you know to go along with your uh, this is why i didn't really think of it yeah no Um, that's fair yeah but uh i found this record probably around like 2014 or something like that like uh, maybe 15 probably 2015 uh but that was when i joined convictions so it was like i found this record when i was joining convictions around 2013 2014 so uh Mm. highly recommend it's very Straight to the, it's an amazing the, album. Give me rest yeah. is so good. What what is your if you had to choose one? Do you have a favorite track off? Give me rest. Uh, give me rest. It's that song itself is mm. really really impactful for me. Uh, the lyric uh, I I recite it in my prayers a lot. Give me the strength to move mountains. Help me become a better man. Help me to understand your truth. Um, something I, I may have said out. Yeah, I don't. Order, I don't. I don't know. But that bar in itself, uh, like, makes me want to tear up because there's moments that, like, mm-hmm. where I'm struggling and and I'll just be real with God and I'll just like help me, like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that very powerful record. I can't. I can't That's recommend great. it enough. Awesome. Do you think that line that you just quoted almost had an impact on the song "I Will Become"? Because it almost has a similar mm-hmm. like heart cry as what you just quoted. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I haven't really thought of it like that. Maybe subliminally, <laughs> subconsciously. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, the idea of the song "I Will Become" was already in my mind for a long time, at least 2012. Oh wow! Because there was a moment where I, I spoke with my dad, and I was like, "Dad, I'm going to join a Christian band," and he wasn't. I thought he'd be excited about it because he was taking me to church at the time, uh, but he wasn't. He was really like not excited about it. He's like, "If you're going to." be in a band like that and you basically need to become like a man of god you need to become like a better you, you need to mm. walk the walk basically like you can't just mm. claim it and and i remember sitting in his driveway and i was like i will like i'm determined to be in this band i'm determined to turn my life in this direction i will become blank and then the, just the phrase i will become stuck with me so i it's it had been in my heart for a while and i i, I don't i can't really say maybe subliminally yeah but i i don't it wasn't in intentional that's so cool chris did you want to ask your question about teeth 
Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> was did you guys like fully plan ahead to release something as stupidly as heavy as teeth? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like set out in the studio. Let's just write the heaviest song ever. Yeah. No. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is so crazy in hindsight because I'm like, we could be so much heavier, and we plan on that. But uh, it was, yeah, it was just kind of like, uh, let's just be as ridiculous as we can. I think Josh, he played a bass guitar as a guitar. Like, I think they plugged into a guitar amp. At one oh, point. okay. I think that's why he got it. I, I don't know. All the it definitely has a really chunky sound. Like, yeah. A little bit oh, yeah. The other songs. Yeah, I can't. I can't really go into production and, and all that nerdy gear stuff, but <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> I know that we were playing around with, uh, yeah, just being as heavy as we ever really wanted to be. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Love it. Do you, do you have a personal favorite on, I won't survive? Uh, the, the price of grace. Yeah. yeah. That, um, that was the last song I recorded. So for me, it was like, and I, I had spent all of COVID and, you know, like all this time, like off the road, trying to learn new skills vocally. And, um, and I had the most time with that song to write. So when mm -hmm. I went in to record it, it was like, I am the most prepared as I can be. Uh, I, like if I were to show somebody our band for the first time, it'd probably be that song, um, today, <laughs> but that can always change. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm very proud of that one. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to make more songs that sound like that. Could you, for listeners who uh, may not have heard the backstory about it, could you maybe just give the backstory of what The Price of Grace is about? Yeah. Uh, so The Price of Grace is about uh, two friends of ours, a guy named CJ and a guy named Travis. Uh, CJ and I became friends 2015, maybe. Uh, he had came out to see us uh, in Texas at a festival, and we hit it off right away. And then he was seeing us like all over the country. It was like New York, Florida, South Carolina. And all the while he's bringing his friend Travis. Uh, and Travis really wasn't a metal fan at first. So everything was kind of new to him. It was pretty funny to watch. Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys go to shows. And you see somebody that has no idea what's going on. And they're just kind of like, oh, yeah. What is <laughs> like? Oh my god! Uh, yeah. that was, Make I'm sure you stay I'm... this far back from, from the mosh pit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Why Travis. is he yelling at me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was really cool though because it was like a metalhead bringing his non-metal friend, metalhead friend, and just kind of watching them bond over our band. It was really cool to see that. Yeah, CJ and I, uh, we kept, in, we still keep in touch, and it's just crazy. I remember, I think the last time I seen them together was in Florida. I want to say we were like eating pizza or something. I don't know, maybe less than a year later, I'm home from tour and I was only home for like a week and CJ had called me and he told me that Travis took his life and it, it took me off guard. Like I, you know, Travis is like tall, handsome, strong kind of guy, uh, really quiet. You'd think somebody like that has probably got it all together and um, that they got nothing to worry about, you know, but it took me took me off guard, and I uh, I had never really had anybody like in my direct circle of like family or friends, you know, hurt themselves, take their life. 
it was tough because it's like I gotta go back on the road and I gotta like be cool, you know. I gotta I gotta do my job, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And uh, I don't know, it was just like, what do you do? And and so like all, all I knew what to, all I knew to do was just to share the story. And so I started uh, stopping uh, between our in our set. We'll we'll, we'll perform our songs, and about halfway through, I, I like to talk to the audience and just have like a heart to heart about something real, you know. And, uh, mm. and I was sharing their story and, and I knew it, it was important and I knew a lot of people deal with those issues, but the response was very overwhelming. We had lots of people stopping us after the show. And I remember like sitting with a lot of guys and, and hearing their stories and you just kind of realize like, this is so much bigger than me. This is like, really important. And so I, with a, like a lot of careful consideration, just thinking maybe we should write about this. And so I asked CJ, and, uh, you know, asked if he was willing to go over whatever he was comfortable with. And he went into full detail, uh, like how, when, why, you know, the big touchy stuff. And yeah. I mean, all, all these songs, people were very open and, and went way above and beyond with the details. It was very challenging just to tell that story. And we wanted to tell it uh, chronologically when CJ found out what had happened. He uh, he was in his dorm room in college, and he you know he received his call, and so that's when we start the the song. We start it right from when he received the news. So he's circling the room, so circles through circles, and spiraling around the room. Him receiving the news, and then we we tell the story uh, all throughout the song. It's the five stages of grief. So it's mm. you know denial and sh shock, anger, grief. Mm. Wow. So we, we we go through his journey of the five stages of grief until at the end it's the acceptance, um, and so he 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 comes to terms that he'll see him on the other side and that he'll carry his memory. And uh, one of the details he he was telling me was how they had planned to move in that their families were going to move into the same neighborhood and their their families would grow up together. And so that was kind of like you said we'd grow all together. Um, so there, every, like every little word and every little thing like has a backstory behind it. So having the time throughout the pandemic to really, you know, focus on it, dive into it was such a big thing. Cause there's so much to take in and hearing it back. Like, I, I feel like we wouldn't change any word, like down to like the if, ands and buts, like it's all intentional. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, that one really hits home for me. Wow. And actually just going back to what we were talking about earlier about like kind of relating to these lyrics, um, just kind of reminded me um, this person will remain nameless just for the sake of, I don't know their family or anything, but we had, um, I, I got a message from somebody, somebody's father from the scene of, we had like a lo local hardcore scene. I mean, it's kind of, died out in the last five years but there was one guy who was really trying to keep it alive here and uh he had a really great band i got to do some photography for them and and uh, he was a really big advocate he wasn't a christian as far as i know um but he, when he would talk to me he definitely seemed open and he was very accepting of me like online talking about my beliefs all the time like on facebook or whatever but um, we weren't really like close friends or anything 
but I got a I've got a message from this guy's father, and I was very confused at first. And um, after reading the email, um, he he ended up taking his life, and I think that was hearing this song now it, it's not the same context so that wasn't as close with him as as cj and travis were um but it definitely hits home a bit more and and brings everything into a new light and it's definitely made me think about you know just those kind of things like oh like what could i like could i have done something more like i remember i it was it was before COVID or just after COVID hit, and I I said I was going to get off Facebook because it was just, like everything was just so toxic, right? Um, and I was just mm-hmm. like I'm kind of done with looking at this. And he messaged me, and he's like, "Dude, like he's like, oh, don't go. He's like, you're the only, you're like one of the only positive people that I see on on here." Yeah. And um, you know I. I, we talked a bit, bit about that. I ended up getting off Facebook anyways, but that was the last I heard from him. I tried messaging him and he wouldn't reply. And it, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it just, how much more, even with somebody that you don't, you're not that close with. Yeah. Um, just kind of thinking about faith life and, and all this stuff. It's, it's crazy. So. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. thanks for writing this song. I think it's um I can only imagine for people who have gone through stuff like um like these guys being that close. They, <laughs> I definitely can see it helping them a lot come to terms with stuff. Yeah, I, I think it I think it uh, opens a, a different like having that having a different perspective on it too, like to see what pain you may cause, like the people you love and care about, uh, opens a lot of conversation and shows it in a different light too. Um, you know, that you, you might hear that on like a, a hotline or, or some specialist will say like, think of the ones you love, you know, maybe a sign on a bridge or something, think of the ones you love. And, uh, maybe that could save a life or something. And, and just having mm-hmm. that discuss opening that discussion, I think is really important even for people like me or you that, you know, may not have it in our direct circle, but like talking about it, like, I feel like that's like a lie, maybe from the enemy or something where it's like, like, what are you doing? What do you have to do with this? Like, you're not, you know, but it's, you're doing more good than you think, you know? For sure. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, dude. So, um, I guess for someone, let's say someone hasn't heard, I won't survive yet. Um, like, what do you want the main takeaway to be? If there's like one thing you don't want someone missing um, when they listen to it for the first time, what would that one thing be? Man. Not Probably to put me like, on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I kind of like, I want to like lean back on the relatability thing, like finding maybe your own personal struggle, you know, and relating to it in one of the songs, maybe somebody that doesn't like metal. Like I've had some coworkers and stuff listen to it and I'm like, I know it's angry. I know it's upsetting, but there's good in this. Please like look for it. <laughs> like maybe that, uh, it's, it's just like how you look at it, I guess. Um, and who, I guess who would be listening, but I, I feel like God's working in, in all of our lives and, and you can, I, I hope they can see it even at their lowest points in these songs. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, to wrap up, I would just, uh, I would just want to ask you, Mike, what would you say to someone who um, 
who is struggling right now, who um, they, they're going through the darkest time of their life. They, uh, they might even be uh, contemplating suicide. What would you, uh, what would you say to them in this moment? Man. Okay. I think the bit, like the most important thing is just knowing that you're loved, that you're valued. even if you don't know it, um, people like more people love and care about you and need you here than, you know, and the impact mm-hmm and power that you alone have is more than you may ever know. So hold to hold on to that if you're feeling low in value and know that you're loved, know that you're ma- that you matter and that people love you and that there is a god that loves you whether you accept that or not. Uh there's people that believe it like myself. Yeah, keep keep being awesome. <laughs> Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Keep, you're awesome. You're loved. That was good. That was great. So, um, Mike, we just want to thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on here. Uh, It's been a blast having you. We've had a great time chatting with you. Chris, any final words? Yeah, no, just thank you, dude. Um, It's it's nice to meet you and get to talk with you. And, yeah, absolutely appreciate you coming on here and uh, spending your time to talk with us. No, I thank you guys. You guys are awesome. And uh, I feel like I'm watching. I feel like I'm talking to a YouTube video right now because I watch all your videos. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm watching a YouTube video, but I'm talking to it. It's trippy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> same thing with Kingdom Core. Like I, you know, I see your guys' posts every day, and seeing what you guys contribute to the scene. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just you, Sean, or, or maybe others. Yeah. Involved. It's just uh, me. Okay. Well, you make yourself look like a thousand because you're all over. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Really, like, it looks like you got a whole team behind you. Maybe, maybe one day you will. But um, thank you for for like on it. Like you guys are really putting in a lot of work, and it's it's noticed. And uh, I know, like me speaking for convictions, like you guys have done more for us than like I think any vlog or or magazine article could. So thank you guys. Well, wow, thank you for thank that. You. And uh, just right back at you guys, like. When I started Aggressive Worshippers, gosh, three and a half years ago now, um, I I met you guys at a show literally like two weeks after I had started it. And yeah, the fact that. that you guys like believed in it so much and were just so on board with the idea, like that really kept me pushing. And then there was the whole name change. And when, uh, when we switched over and became Kingdom Core, and it was just, you guys were the biggest supporters in the scene from day one. And like, I really, from the bottom, I bottom of my heart want to thank you and the other members because it would not be what it is today if it wasn't for your guys' constant love and support. And I truly mean that. Man, that's really, that's incredible. We're in it together, man. Like it's, you know, it's a small group mm-hmm. of us. And I feel like we all have the same goal in mind and uh, we're like-minded. So to support each other is like crucial and uh, we need you as much as you, you know, you need music like us and others. So more than happy to help and, and be a part of what you guys are doing. You guys are amazing. So thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Really encouraging.